0: welcome to explore the space we're digging into healthcare issues that matter most our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers there is a gulf between healthcare and our communities this is the place to talk about it now here's your host dr mark shapiro
1: welcome back to explore the space podcast i'm your host mark shapiro before we get to our new episode a thank you to Lori Bedke and creighton university for sponsoring this episode Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's Healthcare Executive Education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.crayton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this conversation is Sapphire Stubbs. Sapphire is the director of marketing and sponsorships for Racket Magazine, which is an outstanding publication about the art, the joy, the spirit, the culture of tennis all around the world. And she joins us on the eve of the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament. And just after Racket has released an incredible new issue, it's available now and the issue was guest edited by Naomi Osaka, which is a pretty incredible thing and we get into how this all took place and in our conversation we really get a, a sense of why centering mental health is so important, why centering creativity is so important and Sapphire shares her own story, which is truly remarkable and there is so much connective tissue as she and I both discussed, right? this sort of conversation is industry and profession agnostic. It's just relevant to the human experience and getting to speak with her about it in this time and place was really special. Before we get to our conversation, just a quick reminder, please do subscribe to Explore the Space wherever you like to download your shows. Please do leave us that rating and a review. It really helps us out. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com and the whole archive of the podcast is available at www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can also find me on Twitter at ets show. Always great to interact with people who are listening to the show and enjoying it there. It's definitely a great way to continue to grow this community and get a sense of what you're liking and how episodes are resonating. And I think this one is really going to resonate. So all that said, let's get to it. Here's Sapphire Stubbs. Sapphire, welcome to Explore the Space Podcast. I'm delighted you're here.
0: Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. And I love that you have um, racket merch on.
1: You, you you totally noticed it. I wasn't sure if you could caught it. Very good. I've got my T-shirt on. That's right. Yeah. Let's set a little <laughs> bit of background. It, we we look for on this podcast. We look for connection with other industries, organizations, professions that share kind of DNA, connective tissue, strategic vision with what's happening in the world of medicine right now. And we know that. And when I say we, I think on the international scale. We know that the subject of mental health in the world of professional tennis and mental health in the world of medicine have both been high priority, high scrutiny items for medicine. It's as we move through yet another wave of the COVID-19 pandemic and with professional sports, we've seen it uh, through multiple sports, but it was really kicked off by the stance taken by the best women's tennis player in the world right now, Naomi Osaka, when she said, I'm not going to be able to do press conferences anymore. I have to take some time away to protect my mental health and to work on my mental health. I'm paraphrasing, but her statements are all in the public record. You are a part of Racket Magazine, and you all have taken a really interesting perspective on how to tackle this. And I'm really excited to hear about it. Tell us, first of all, just what is happening? What has Racket Magazine decided to do to help discuss, amplify, and explore this issue of mental health?
0: Yeah, I think that where we kind of um, have always and I I joined, I joined Racket about 18 months ago. um, And I think what always uh, I was drawn to was just the idea of giving, giving athletes, giving people surrounding the sport of tennis. Another medium to to create to be creative, right? So in the past we've had Tisipas, um, his photography featured in the in the magazine. We've had Andre Petrovich do write an essay, like so. We and I think that sometimes we forget, and maybe maybe COVID is the thing that that reminded us that sometimes you just need to feel passionate about something, and if you've dedicated your life to. To a sport, to a career, to whatever your personal thesis may be, sometimes you lose inspiration, like you would if you do anything for a long time. And I think that when we work with athletes and um, and different creatives, it's always to inspire, to have them exercise a skill or a talent that they've only done as a hobby. And um, I think that re- rang true for us always, but I think more recently, our connection to Naomi Osaka, um, we had previously done a piece on her in the beginning of her career in like 2016. So she's always been near and dear to our hearts. So when we thought about a project, we don't often put athletes on our cover. So what we decided to do, what could be a great project? Naomi's been on every cover you can imagine. So <laughs> right, right, um, right. what would be nice and it would, yeah. And the idea was she does, how does she want to, we've seen her collapse with Nike and, and, um, and other um, brands how would she collaborate with us? It would make sense since we're a publisher that maybe she would guest edit the magazine. So that in theory sounds great, but an execution between her schedule, the other brands, everything that, uh, her playing, you know, um, could get a little bit in the way. And so we set out on that mission in the beginning of this year. And now we have issue 17 uh, coming out. And that is our issue featuring our guest editor, Naomi Osaka.
1: I've been a sports fan for a long time. I've been a magazine subscriber for forever. I started subscribing to Sports Illustrated back in 1984. I still have my first ones that I ever received. I, I, oh, wow. I, I know the sports magazine landscape well, I think, as, a, as someone who's not intimately involved. I also know what it looks like sort of in medical journal writing and things like that, because that's what we're kind of immersed in as well. Bringing the focal point of a subject on board to guest edit an entire issue of a publication. I've never heard of that before. I have not seen that executed before. It feels like a very bold step.
0: A a very bold step. I mean, we have to give it up to our um, editor, editor in chief, uh, David Shabtow. I mean, his vision for the magazine, really, where he over, there's our you know, we're, we're a media company. So there's a lot of things that, um, we kind of go through between social, um, digital content, all those things, but to maintain a actual magazine, one throughout COVID, right. And throughout the year that, that, that we've been through and to have something tangible for people to hold that's beautiful is one thing, but to do that and just be advantageous with like, where can we take you know, this piece of, this piece of, of, of art that we create, basically. Um, I still feel that writing is an art. I don't know if everyone feels that way. Um, but, um, we, where do we take yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, to have Naomi, we, we, we only know her through, through her, her, through her sport and through, cause she's, she is shy. You know what I mean? She is. And, and I'd say, cause she's taken out shy from her, um, from her vocabulary to describe herself, I'd say she's cerebral and that causes, and that's just what we, we really haven't seen from someone that that high in the sport. I mean, in other sports, we've seen it like Kobe Bryant was, was not, he did not talk a lot when he was playing. We only knew him post career and retirement where he was more vibrant and everything, but to have like, what example does, does Naomi have, um, and so I think that now that she's, she is more cerebral, that always her, her mental's always working over time. And so to take those breaks, to have that reprieve was, was so brave of her. And and nobody had, she didn't have a, a blueprint for that. So it was nice that throughout this, as long as it would take for us to do this. And that's why it's now, if we started these conversations at the beginning of the year, it's now August and we're presenting it to the world because it should be something from her point of view. And, and the issue is, but still what we do best it's the ideas um culture art fashion surrounding tennis and bringing in this tennis renaissance right but it's through her world it's it's about it's about things she's interested in people she's worked with before um the cover artists that she commissioned, Dennis Osadibi. and he he designed a a special piece for the cover she collects him and so we of course had to get him to do the cover he actually had about three different um works that we were considering and um over the course of the past couple months we had to decide with one but um i think that if we think about the year she's had every time there was a break there was a time to come back creatively and connect to something and that's just beautiful to think about as she's had a hell of a year
1: what is resonating for me as i'm hearing you describe this the awareness that this started actually well before the conversations and controversies associated with her disclosures over the summer with the French Open in Wimbledon around her needs to care for her mental health, that this project was actually well along its way. And what I think, mm-hmm. and that I'm so excited about, and that I think parallels the journey that so many physicians and healthcare workers are on, this is going to help us see one of the most visible athletes in the entire world. It's going to help us see her as a whole person. It's, it's not just her yeah. winning the U.S. Open or being on the headlines because she is stepping into this tension of confronting issues around her mental health. This is her as a whole person. So many of our professions don't give us that space. Like in medicine, we struggle with that. We struggle to have that sort of representation as we're whole people. We laugh, we cry, we celebrate, we party. We also work really, really hard to take care of patients. Was the intention with this? for Racket to demonstrate kind of how we can do that for for those who we may look up to revere not fully understand to say this is a way to understand somebody of importance that they are a whole person
0: yeah I think that um I think that when we even think about medicine other especially um, other like essential workers during this time that sense of 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 human interaction wasn't lost. Like and whether for good or bad, the you got to feel how people were feeling, hurt how people, you know what I mean? That 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 empathy and that um just feeling how it how this time has affected everyone. There's people that did this alone and solo. When we first came back from um from quarantine and we had an issue, it was really just a dedication to this this time and solitude. And I think we we don't we when we think of tennis players especially it is a very i forget how naomi described it in her in her documentary but she said it, it's just a very it's it's, you're by yourself so it's a very solo um and solitary sport and um and i think that whenever we give someone a platform it's kind of it's kind of like let's give them that humanity that we're kind of all afforded by being able to because you, I couldn't imagine millions of people that I technically interact with, but I know no one, you know, and I do this alone every day. So I think when we think about that for Naomi, it's just nice to have her feel like a human, have her feel like people can get to see her. And and that actually made me think of um, I want to read a little bit of her editor's note from the from this latest issue. Um, Just a little excerpt, because I think that Please it really actually describes. Yeah, it describes kind of what we're talking about. This issue isn't all about me, it's about my world. I feel like this is a different lens to see my orbit from, a more interesting one for the reader. Everyone knows most of my answers to the standard questions by now, so there's not much more I can add to my biography or tennis results. So asking Racket to write about and illustrate my world, I hope will allow people to see me from a different perspective. I felt it was time to offer a commentary on the culture around the periphery of tennis, rather than forehands and backhands, the edition touches on things I'm interested in, like fashion, travel, art, and photography. So there was so much potential to broaden the context in which I'm seeing. Racket published one of the first profiles on me in the fall of 2016, before I made a mark uh, in professional tennis. The article was written really well, and I love the drawings. I think it was int- I was interesting back then, because most people didn't know me or my story. But now it's been told so many times, it's starting to lose its relevance. So I'm excited to do something different and fresh. There have been a lot of newspaper columns devoted to my personal story. So for me, it's time to turn the page and talk about cool stuff that we can all relate to together.
1: I feel a little bit emotional hearing that if I'm being completely honest with you, because I can think of hundreds of physicians, nurses, healthcare workers, essential workers, who I would think would love to have that same opportunity. And I think that this is a real stroke of genius, no pun intended, sorry, to to create that space for someone to do that. Uh, and that the idea that yeah. we can normalize taking people and entities that are really elevated into these really lofty and and disconnected places and bring them back to where we can just understand this is just another person making their way in the world it's really moving it's really yeah it really
0: is oh my gosh i had chills even reading it it's just it's interesting because we we forget that like this creative thing that people do and that people have monetized is not it's something that can be a hobby it's something that that just gets your endorphins going. You know what I mean? It's, it's something that we, we have been told like when we were younger that, you know, to draw, to get your expression out, to express yourself and it helps you like mentally. And, um, and it, it, it creates dopamine or, I, or these things I've read about that I wouldn't know for sure, but you know, yeah, like, yeah. and so, but, and then we just lose it once we have these careers that we're driven to and then we don't ever take breaks. And so we never express our our creativity from writing to to going to karaoke, to doing a drawing, to anything. We just leave it.
1: You've just described the tension that like every American physician is trying to figure out after they finish their medical <laughs> training, like we leave everything behind. I didn't play tennis almost all the way through medical school and residency. I spent 10 I played tennis every day, every day. Mm-hmm. little kid junior high high school i loved it weekends hits yeah. gets out get out there and play term. medical school and residency none it was after all of that was done i was like i want to start playing some tennis again my gosh i've like forgotten this part of yeah. myself um it's 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 really easy for those muscles to generally the in.
0: and that's generally like i think that's just so interesting because like why do we stop that at times we need it the most you know we we stop doing <laughs> things that that <laughs> you know, like I mean, medical school probably is one of the hardest things I, I'm sure maybe that you've ever done. I couldn't do it, so why would we? Why would you not have like a reprieve? You know, and um, and I think this like we have slowed down, but that's uh, that's how who we've become as as a society, and it's taken a global pandemic, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> something that the irony of it, which I always think is like the irony, but also the poeticness is that it took something that is smaller for the eye to see that stopped the entire world for us to realize we're moving too fast. And I think in this moment for for Racket, it was one of the few things that the world stopping almost was how we had this opportunity to do this.
1: That is an interesting way to kind of place this historically. And I think when we look back on this, hopefully as a touchstone for much more of this sort of open minded, accepting work. That that context will be super important because we shouldn't have to wait for another thing that brings us all to a screeching halt to continue this work. Hopefully, this can be something that we can replicate and that other, you know, organizations yeah. and publications can say, okay, cool. There's a really nice template here, and it had a really good benefit and really good result. Let's replicate it, and let's not wait for either another you know wave of COVID or something else horrible to happen.
0: Yeah, like let's continue to do this. Like let's right. like what what I think I always say to my staff to anybody that, you know, my team working on projects and stuff is that, I mean, COVID told us that anything can wait because everything did wait for a little bit. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like anything can wait most of the time, you know, like, and especially in my world, you know, we're doing entertainment, we're doing publishing or creative things. It's like, it, it will still always float. We just have to, like, what are we, let's recenter what we're doing here. So this was so beautiful to see to see so many people come together on this, and even the some of the creators we met along the way, one of which, um, Dev Hines, who's um in his um his musical uh, monikers is uh, Blood Orange, he wrote a beautiful piece interviewing Takashi Murakami, the artist. Just in general, with with his work with um with Naomi, Naomi and Dev worked together for the he did the score for her uh, Netflix uh, documentary. And so, and he plays tennis. And so he plays on the public courts with us. Um, Him and uh, our editor got uh, really, really cool uh, or maybe really competitive on the court. And it turned into um, a beautiful harmony of a great interview. um, And just seeing how the world of music can so easily come in. What we are doing always is, yes, the tennis renaissance renaissance and boom is happening currently. But our, I think the thesis of the, of the, of the magazine and of our company was always to uplift creatives. But why do we think the uplifting creatives like doesn't include athletes? You know what I mean? It doesn't include. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's been, it's been really nice to see this come together. I think this really shows us where the future of the organization and, and or the, um, the publication can go. Um, And really touching back to us being that vessel to help, mentally provide a reprieve for, for athletes that spend 11 months on a tour, you know, and I have the, one of the most hectic, hectic tours of all of, um, in all sports, you know, so
1: there's a couple things that you've put out there that I want to just kind of pick up on a little bit. This idea first, that there's this tennis Renaissance, acknowledging that tennis is already, you know, one of the largest international sports. It's a multi-billion dollar enterprise on every continent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is something that I know for you, you're in your second year now with racket coming from a background where you weren't intimately involved in the tennis world. What has, and and that we're in this place now where we're trying to understand everyone as a whole person. We're trying to get better at how can we create environments that are welcoming, that are, that are supportive, especially when times are hard. And obviously this is something that American medicine is really struggling to come to grips with. What has that experience been like for you two years now with racket, these huge projects with, you know, international, people of international renown big budgets at stake what does that journey looked and felt like for you and what have been the things that have helped you to feel successful and supported moving through it
0: yeah that's a that's a good that's a great question (laughs) Um, i think so my background i worked in publishing before um um, and in in the music industry, I worked for Complex Magazine. I left Complex to go to IMG, and IMG, you know, peripherally, like had I obviously would be pulled into the tennis world since they have um, their aid, the agents there kind of represent a lot of um, of top tier talent. But I come from my parents are immigrants um, from the island, and they um, played tennis all the time. They tried to get me to because I'm six feet tall, and um, <laughs> and I was like that not where I'm going. And I was a STEM kid. And so uh, <laughs> that's why I moved into marketing, but, um, I think I was all, always a peripher- peripheral fan. So once I, um, I met Caitlin, um, our co-founder in 2019 at the, at the U S open that year. Um, and I just, I loved the magazine. I loved it fused a lot of things that I like together music, art, culture. Obviously, I wanted to come back into publishing, and I've always been a fan. A fan from like I watched the sport. Would go obviously to tournaments, um, and my parents play, but I didn't play. I wasn't so intimately involved in the world or in the sport, whether whether I, because I didn't feel invited or just because I wasn't that like kind of um, interested in it. And so, I also um, had gotten had had left parted ways with um a previous employer anyway because of um a really racial um harassment that had been going on and and it was something that I wasn't I wasn't familiar with I was nervous I was scared I was under a lot of stress and um and I I just I never knew until that moment how hard it probably is for individuals with with even sexual harassment any type of harassment how it really does affect you mentally it really is the same cycle of abuse that you're solely broken down and and berated until you you don't really even you're not confident in yourself and um and I think what was so nice I didn't even have time to feel jaded and it was um in this case it was it was a white woman and I didn't even have time to feel jaded or feel like the world's against me or all these things um being a black woman my, myself um, I, because I met Caitlin and and she was so welcoming and so warm, and um and I and I was like I I already was inspired by her, and so uh, I then, um when it made sense for me to join Racket, it was a, it was a natural fit. But I think what one thing Caitlin did that she didn't know she did was when she hired me and and gave me this position and entrusted me with doing marketing within her company. She also took on some of the plight of. That comes with being she is a woman, right? But comes with being a, a black woman, and we can we can talk around it. But one thing that and and I will eventually bring this back to Naomi as well because I think it's it, it, um, it's important to to talk about. But Caitlin has been so supportive, and when we go and I think we think about um, diversity inclusion, when we think of equity, it's one thing to have a diversity inclusion person that comes in and says, you should hire people, right? You should hire people that are Asian, that are that are young, that are older, that are black, that are all these things that are female, transgender, whatever we're saying. But what happens to make them feel comfortable when they get in there? Because that doesn't, just because you hire them, it doesn't make the, the systematic things that the world has presented or that our society has presented go away. And what Caitlin does each and every time, and I've had other bosses in the past that I do feel like have, have done this as well, but if someone, what she realized from the beginning, when we would go into meetings, the same responses she would get, I would not get. And, and what she did effortlessly was, if you're not talking to, to Saf this way, then you're not talking to me this way. And whatever business you have, if it cannot exist between Sapphire managing it as the person we've entrusted with our brand, especially in the world of tennis, I feel like that has just been a little bit secluded to I feel like the tennis world and, and, and Caitlin speaks to this pretty well too, is that whether you have the money or not, if you're not a certain type, a certain, uh, a background or look, you weren't really invited into it. And so as, Racket's name grew over over this this past year and 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 through covid and everything. Um we started talking like you said to bigger partners and and one thing that is is a core value is that you get everybody that works with Racket and you are going to respect everyone that works with Racket and it is not just to talk to one of the founders, one of the um the our editor in chief any of those people it's like we are going to come to this together and as if she didn't know something she would ask and and I would always be open and helpful. I can't assume that that my boss, who is, not, who is not a Black person, is gonna know every nuanced microaggression that's gonna come. And I think sometimes we go too far in, you didn't know that was disrespectful or you didn't know that would hurt. Yeah, no, one, no, because, they're, because how would that person know? And so I think that me being open to allowing um, Caitlin to learn, not being jaded by previous experiences has allowed our relationship to grow, partners to trust me, her respect towards me has been passed on to other people. And that's what we mean by when, you know, we're, we're trying to, to do this across, across lines, across industries and everything.
1: Yeah. The across industries piece that you just referenced, that obviously resonates because what you're describing again is the tool set that we are in, in, in the kind of the, the corridors that I walk in working really hard to, before we can even get better just understand the nature of the problem and the yeah. chasm that exists between where we are and where we need to go so that we can kind of walk the path correctly there's a you know a, a variety of amazing colleagues who I've learned a great deal from kind of in some of the spaces that you've discussed and one of the things that came up for me that was a real opportunity to learn and get better in the moment at the bedside on rounds is this idea of upstanding that like you described Caitlin does for you. And I'm sure you will understand the impact and be able to teach the same skills that when there's that opportunity to say, Hey, if you're not talking to the rest of my team, the way you talk to me, then you're not talking with any of us that, that there's a disconnect and helping that person understand that so that they can do better in that moment. Man, that's powerful work. It's really powerful. It's not easy, but it's really it's powerful.
0: not easy. And we don't, we do not talk about how that. It's not easy. And as much as we, as people, march and all those things, everyone has a different skill set. And I, this is my personal thing. Is I just say that everyone something. I'm just. I just say this is my ministry because I grew up in the church and stuff. And so I will say like that's not my ministry. I don't need to necessarily march. But there are whatever you're doing is a piece, and that's how change happens. That's how changes happen throughout history. That each person doing their part and whatever is how you change the system, not just one thing siloed and Hopefully it makes a big enough impact. You need people within corporations, within medicine, within all these things. One thing that um, going back to how do I stay motivated during this change and these things that we haven't seen, and and I think, and I was going to bring this up earlier when we were just talking about COVID, is like. There are things that are readily available to everyone that none of that uh, that are healthy that we have not done until COVID happened. Why weren't we going for daily walks until we were just working from our like homes? The beach. I live in New York, and the beach is free to everyone and open. And what salt water, sand, <laughs> the exfoliation, the wind, <laughs> just seeing nature. Anyone can go to the beach. And in New York, you can take the train the same way you take the trains to work to get to the beach. I mean, I'm I don't know if that's for everywhere, but these are things that that communities black communities impoverished communities all these things like right we don't even have to just um I went to this seminar recently and it was like when we think about marginalization um or adversity we it shouldn't be a color line it's it's lived experience because I don't know like there are people that are marginalized for not going to college I don't know that I don't know that that experience and we don't need to take it away from them. I love the way they um, articulated that. So there I, I just until I had this one because of COVID and two because of just having an open and honest relationship with my boss, going for runs, walks and making sure that I there's time in my calendar set for therapy that no one schedules over, you know, like little things that that just allow a person to feel like they can come back and work. No one's saying that it's, you're not going to work hard. You know You're not, you might not put in a 10, 12 hour day, but what do jobs do? What are we doing for each other? And we can take it from a job angle, from a, from a corporation, a business or an industry, but we can also take it to a human level. What are you doing for the people that you either like are under you or that are even above you or your coworkers that you're just being, um more empathetic to to their surroundings and then giving them that time. Like even respecting if a coworker needs to like, I'm overwhelmed, I need to take a walk. Not being like, well, I need to talk to you about this now. Like different things like that. That after we got out of the this office setting, um, especially in uh, such a fast place like uh New York. Once we got out of that, you can't just run and be like, I need to talk to you now. People can claim some of their time. I mean, that's the good and a bad thing because some people crumble with autonomy <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's, it feels nice to say it, but, um, and some people thrive in, in, in like in this autonomous kind of like state from working from home. But I do think that that is what has helped me stay sane. It's helped me grow um, every day. It's not gr- a great day. You know, there's days that um, just a couple weeks ago, um, there were some things happening where where people were saying coded language and wanted me like um not to work on something you know and 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 one of those like those conversations where Caitlin had to say like if you don't want to talk to my team member then you we really I don't know how we how we do this those things will happen every week I'm not saying they don't but it's that constant conversation that openness that allowing that if someone cuz think about this like what if something happens if you're with a patient you're in a room or something happens and that and one of the people in the room feels something has happened that could be taken offensively. One thing that we could all do is just if that person feels some way, let them feel it. They might not bounce back right away after feeling like who they are has been personally attacked, you know, or or and some things they can't change. So literally giving them just a moment to breathe or just understanding that's just as important as. As going on a march, you know, or or protesting or reposting something on on your Instagram.
1: I could happily see you giving grand rounds at every medical center, hospital, academic institution quite happily, because what I'm hearing you describe the way I'm kind of taking it on board is this is industry agnostic. It's a mindset. And it's a skill set that comes with that mindset. But you have to be in that place and you have to be focused to sit in that tension. And the way that you just described it it doesn't matter if we're talking tennis, medicine, engineering, it doesn't matter. It's industry agnostic. This is just how we interact as human beings with each other. And it's extraordinarily powerful.
0: Yeah, it it really, truly is. And I think that one thing that Naomi brought up that was so great and one thing I just... I thought was so interesting, and it allowed me to to talk about some things um with partners with everything. I, I remember um going on a rant one day because sometimes I'll just go on a rant and I, um and be, <laughs> people listen to me across zoom um sometimes, but I, I thought that in conversations you in conversations you hear about um, there's another excerpt from the and and I don't i won't um I won't read it, but um it's from the first article in this in this issue, and it's called Dream in, Col- in Color, there's a wariness that comes with explaining whatever part of yourself seems exotic to other people. And if that's not right, by, oh, yeah, it's, it's it's a great, it's one of my favorite, favorite pieces I've, I've, I think I've read in, in one of our issues, because it really, in a way that doesn't seem overbearing, talks just about whatever part of you is exotic. The, the author, uh, speaks about, um, or the writer speaks about how she's, um, half American, half Asian. And she, and just like when, when she has to talk about it. And one part that she says is like, we, we see Naomi with whatever part of her, we feel, whether it's a person doing something for the first time in our field or feeling like we're making a statement When it's not always going to be received well, whether it's because I have Caribbean parents and she has a Caribbean parent or if it's that she's Asian, we we give we project on Naomi what we kind of want for ourselves. And she's always felt like a lot of people's like their own. And I think one of the things that was interesting, I always knew that when people talked about Naomi, like I felt that I didn't know how to articulate it, but. When she made that statement, it was so interesting to see how people were like, "Yeah, I mean, she's just tired. I think she should still play." Like all these, like comment, all the commentary on it with what people were thinking, and and I and in our conversations, because this has obviously been in the work for a long time. I would just be the elephant in the room. I'm like, a part of this is because she is a black athlete. Like I, I don't. I don't know why we're going around it. The reason why she we're we're not talking about Ash Barty like this, are we? <laughs> like she's number one, I think, right now. Like we're not talking about Ash. But the reason why this is, it's because of who she is. Yes, it's because of her brilliance and her talent. But it started because she beats Serena, and it was interesting to see a person that was a person of color beat Serena and be this new kind of like person to house that. We saw the same thing with Simone Bowles in the, in the Olympics. And part of it is because of black athleticism. And I just, and it doesn't have to be something we stray away from because it doesn't have to be something that when we talk about it, it's to blame someone or it's to make someone feel bad for who they are. It's literally to talk about it because I don't even know the, the, the mental struggle of feeling like you're not placed in either one of the things that you're that you are that you don't feel Asian enough or you don't feel like you know what I mean you're connected to Japanese culture, you don't feel like you're connected to black American culture because none and and that's something that I could talk about forever, and I won't go into that, but black American culture is super different than than black culture around the diaspora, be it on the continent of Africa or across the Caribbeans wherever everywhere in the world what that diaspora looks like so she doesn't feel like she belongs in anything because that is something that often we we've talked about and we've seen it in in media with um, mixed race individuals. So that's one thing. And then to feel that you have to have the pressure of um, of winning all the time and all these things. One thing I thought was so interesting of hearing her say it almost brought me to tears in the documentary was when she was like in some pre- in some press conference. It might have been for Australian Open when she had like lost or something, but I I can't remember. Um, but she had, when she did the press conference, she said, I just feel like I'm the vessel that everyone pours their energy into. And I failed. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's the weight that you have on you. I couldn't imagine that. So like, I remember in therapy one time talking, I was like, I just have to do everything. And my therapist was like, wait, wait, what is everything? Cause no one does everything. So even the language, right. let's just talk about that. Because like, that's not, um, you don't have to do everything. What do you have to do today? Like what's on your to do list? So that, um, I, I just, that spoke to me. And again, projecting my, um, my reality onto Naomi, I just, that just spoke to me and, um, and yeah, I, I just, it, it's so much that these athletes are, are under and, and why not? Like when we think about it, that mental, however you feel like whatever stress you feel you're under the same stress that Naomi is under is what probably essential workers were under as you felt like the fate of the world is on, especially for you in med- in medicine, the fate of literally the world is on a vaccine or on all these things. Like, why don't we need to give ourselves just as much compassion that we did when Naomi said she wasn't doing um, doing press that when we come home and we feel overwhelmed because we've seen people pass away. we've seen people's families get broken up over this thing that has happened. like it's just we need to give uh, like our extend that empathy to ourselves as much as we do for these these figures that we look at as well.
1: We certainly do. we certainly do. you have uh, you have given us a tremendous amount to sort of sit with around the mindsets that we need to have. For ourselves, but also for those around us. And I think yeah. for me, what is, ex- what is, So compelling is understanding just how much this is part of our shared experience as human beings and has nothing to do with industries or profession or skill set. It's just how do we sort of navigate this together so that we can do a better job supporting ourselves and supporting other people. By the time this comes out, the issue, the racket magazine issue guest edited by Naomi Osaka will be available. How do people find the issue? How do they follow you if they want to see what next project you're working on and what interesting things you're up to?
0: Yeah. So, um, every issue is always available in our old issues, um, our past issues, everything that is not sold out, which is becoming less and less, um, is on racketmag.com. It's uh, dot com, And our handle for, uh, Instagram is the same racketmag, R-A-C-Q-U-E-T-M-A-G. And you, and that's across, um, that's across instagram and um and Facebook. our Twitter, oddly enough is um r a c q e t. It is correct, but that is our um that is our twitter. um my I am sapphire Stubbs, and my Instagram handle is very funny, and I'm not changing it because uh, so whenever I say it, I always get a little chuckle, but my Instagram is esap Laurent. It's why. B E S S A P H, and then Laurent, like the designer. <laughs> I love it's it. It's my bit of fashion angle, but yes, and I am public, um, open. You'll see all types of Racket uh, links in my um, in my bio. Um, but yeah,
1: what an absolute treat! Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes as well, so people can find the the Racket issue. Guest edited by Naomi Osaka, plus all of the great stuff in the archive. They're amazing. It's it's one of the great publications out there. I absolutely love it. Like you said, I'm wearing the merch. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, this is just a total treat. And, you know, like you said, Caitlin and David have really created something really special. Yeah. I think it's amazing that you're now a huge part of it, driving it forward. And I'm so grateful to you for coming on and talking about this really unique issue of racket but more than that the way we can all kind of work together around issues of mindset and perspective so that we can support one another in in sort of that optimal fashion sapphire thank you so much
0: thank you so much for having me and yeah that's all that's all we really want everyone to express their creativity however it comes and and just align with their passions
1: that's awesome thank you so much for coming on thank you my thanks once again to sapphire for joining us in this huge time to talk about this really remarkable issue of racket magazine and some of these critical topics that we're all working through and we're all dealing with and getting the broad array of experiences and perspectives is just absolutely critical for everybody and this was really really special thank you also to lori bedke and creighton university for sponsoring this episode of explore the space podcast you can learn more about creighton's executive mba degree and their executive fellowship program at www.creighton.edu C-H-E-E. You can take a look in the show notes as well. We've got links to Racket Magazine. You can pick up the new issue guest edited by Naomi Osaka. You can connect with me on Twitter at ETS Show. You can email me at mark at explorethespaceshow.com, and you can find the whole archive of the podcast at www.explorethespaceshow.com. We will be back soon with more great content. Until then, we will see you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.